This episode of Blizzard's Breakaway is brought to you by our next meetup. Yep, that's right. Our last meetup was in a suite at MSG, but this next one, well, it's going to be at a bar. We're going to do it on 215 versus the Islanders. It's going to be a Thursday, the day bef- the day after Valentine's Day. Come see us. More details to come in podcasts in the future. Stay tuned. And also, I'd like to congratulate Luke Dawson on winning the podcast-worn jersey. We're going to contact Luke on Twitter. If he doesn't hit us back, we'll choose a second winner. But congratulations to Luke for winning the RNG random blue shirts breakaway giveaway jersey war in time. Let's go podcast. Let's do it now. Bye. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans, welcome to a special Sniffles edition of the Bushwick Breakaway. I have my sick and dying co-host here, Greg. Oh, by the way, my name's Ryan. Greg, say hello. Hey, I just blew my nose. I'm feeling all right now. Okay. We're doing better. Blow We're your, doing better. Blow your nose, boys. That's us. The amount of the amount of over-the-counter medication I've taken in the last three days is uh, it's, it's up there. Let Watching you take pills at my house, which out of context sounds amazing. Uh, but watch you take pills at my house was a process. You you have a problem uh, choking them down. Wow, phrasing. Uh, not, great, great stuff. Uh, <laughs> great oh, stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big not a big pill guy. I don't like doing it. So it's one of those things where I I put one pill in, I do a swig of water, and then I need about 30 seconds to regroup before I can really convince myself to do another one. Trust the process. Exactly. Um, on this week's episode of Bushers Breakaway, we will be talking to a good friend of ours, uh, Mr. Fitzy of. Uh, Bre- is Brendan Fitzgerald? Is his full name, I believe? I think it's Fitzpatrick, buddy. Is it Fitzpatrick? Shit. Yeah. Shit. Pretty, pretty <laughs> Shit. Shit. The guy we consider a really I, good friend yeah, of ours. I, call him, I, I always call him name. Fitzy. I hate myself. I hate I'm myself. <laughs> we're, we're, well, we're not restarting, so sorry, Fitzpatrick. No. Oh, you're spe- one of us is wrong. And I, God, I hope it's you. It's I'm definitely, so you're definitely right. And I know. I, I When I said it, I was like, Fitzpatrick, that's not right. Um, usually record the interviews first, but not today. That's great news. Uh, so we'll have him come on. He's going to talk about trading Rick Nash, and then we're going to have a full debate uh, about that. We'll also discuss. Uh, let's do this right now. You know, we went to uh, we had our Blue Shirts Breakaway meetup game, Greg. We sure did. It was pretty dope. It was pretty dope. Uh, I have to say, I'm, it was very exciting meeting a bunch of different fans, uh, people who I've semi met before through the internet uh, as much as you can, and then meeting them in person. It, I would say, it was a wild success. Your thoughts? I just think it's nuts that people are actually kind of – I wouldn't say awestruck when they met us because I don't want to – Definitely not. You know, <laughs> not, here to, not here to stroke my own ego. But it's just really funny for anyone to just – anyone that listens to us. I forget who said it, but it was like we were talking to them and I was like, oh, hi, I'm Ryan. He's like, yeah, we know. We know your voice, what your voices sound like. And I was like, wow, you've heard us a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I guess now um, oh, I'm an idiot. I, I forget. I forget his name, but it's our friend that uh, he actually lives in Troy. Names? The fr- yeah, I suck. We suck with them. We, we don't. <laughs> we butchered fucking Brandon's name our, already. Our guest. Unfortunately, um, no. It's just really funny. It 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 was so cool meeting. And there were what twenty of us in that yeah. suite, and it was just awesome interacting with everyone, having a good time. Just it was such a fun Ranger game. No, uh, well... Fun might not be the right. Fun, fun in terms of it, it's a fun game because the Rangers won and we were able to talk shit about the Rangers the entire time. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a dominant performance where you would just get guys being like, "Oh man, this team is special." You really gotta get a glimpse into what 
people thought about certain players because things weren't going right. And, uh, man, it, it was... And, and we'll name those players in a second, but I'd like to talk more about... Before we get to full-on Rangers, which the rest of this podcast will be, Greg, do you know what today is? Uh, is it our two-year anniversary? It is. Is that crazy? Wow. wow. Nuts. Uh, our, see, what, our, our, I'm trying to think of what my mental state was two years ago. November 27th. Our official, our official two-year anniversary is on the 30th, but podcast-wise, okay. this is the week for us, for the two-year anniversary. All right, so two years ago, that's November, late November of 2015. I'm probably still in deep mourning about the Mets blowing the 2015 World Series. Yep, you are, actually. Um, I don't remember a single Rangers take I must have had at that time. I think we were pro-AV. That's how long ago it was. I think we were pro-AV. I think I was a Dan Girardi apologist. We've come uh, a long way. I, You know, someone else at the meetup said to me, it's, wow, it's been, I think it was Steve, or AK Left Wing, said to us, uh... Wow, it's been two years already? And I was like, yeah, damn, it has been. It's been quick. It's been a wild ride. So thanks for I'm sticking just along. The, I'm just going to put this out there. Steve, big Steve fan. Well, I'm a big Steve fan. Speaking of being big Steve fans. I'm a big multiple Steve fan. Multiple Steve, Steve fan. Steve in my we, life we, now. we got to meet left wing Steve, of course, the best Steve. And then we got to meet the second best Steve, uh, Steven Valaket, really quick. He was nice enough to stop by and say hello. But, you know, the real news of the day, Greg, and I don't want to bring this up so early, but I guess I'll do it now. Like, I don't have okay. to. Interesting. Uh, but, you know, he we were posting our picture of us on Twitter with with, with the great Steven Valaket. And he said to uh, to us, what a hot dog is to him. Is it a sandwich or is it not? And to him, it's just a hot dog, Greg. Your take, your reaction, live here at Blisher's Breakaway. Ryan Mead, here you go. Mike in your face. No man no man is perfect. Uh, <laughs> that's that's my reaction. Even even when they seem perfect, like Steve's I, well-kept hair and just and, uh, one of the nicest guys in the entire world. I never had a bad thing to say about um, until now. Valley before. Uh, until now. And I, I, now, like, I'll never – like. I can't even be angry about him like this. He's just misinformed. That's all it is. Listen, he'll get, he'll get educated on the topic. Right off fine. the bat, my reaction to Valley was, "Holy shit, I'm short." <laughs> like, right. I was like, "That is a tall man." I uh, think I think the first thing I said to him was, "Man, I always knew your height, but Jesus, you're tall." Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, just, it's, it's a weird introduction. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, all this means is we now need to get a third former Rangers opinion on the great debate. Oh no, I was in my well, office. I saw the tweet. It was like, I think a hot dog is a hot dog. I fist pumped harder than Tiger Woods has ever fist pumped in his whole life. It was a, a magnificent pump. Wow. You, you crazy have, you crazy. Have, <laughs> you have Valley. I have Clendenning. We need to get a third. I'll take my side. The debate continue. I'll we'll take, find a third. I'll take my side. We're looking for a third. Anyone else? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Rangers. Well, you know, the references out there at the meetup, I should say that there was a there was a time where I, I told people that there I just created a subreddit of, of stuff uh, Michael Grabner does without his shirt on. Shirtlessmichaelgrabner.com. Shirtless Michael Grabner. I'm making that a subreddit. Yeah, we gotta do that. I think the comment was someone was talking about how jacked he was, and I was like, Yeah, I, I or no, they made mention of the video of Grabner jumping out of the pool um on one hop, and I was like they're like, Greg, have you ever seen that? I was like, dude, if there's a picture out there with Grabner without his shirt on, I've seen it. I've definitely seen it. The guy's muscles on muscles. I, I, you can see him through the shirt. It's not – all right. Let's actually – let's cut all the nonsense for a second. Let's talk Rangers. Sure. This is a Rangers podcast after all. We've done all that. Happy to your anniversary. I guess I so. Know. Sometimes. Not really. Uh, yeah. There were three games this week. Let's recap them very briefly because we got a nice, lovely comment saying, we wish we get more game-by-game analysis. I'm going to give it to you today. Happy, well, happy anniversary. Here's my game analysis of the Wednesday night game. Wow, I was drunk. And also, it was such an easy win. 6-1. Like, come on. It was never it was a game you hardly had to watch, which is nice because that's the night never, I want to go out. Yeah, never in any doubt. It was a dominating performance from start to finish. Yeah. It was like, 
I didn't even watch. Like, I know I'm, I host a podcast uh, about the Rangers, and I should be, you know, doing full analysis in every game. But it was the night before Thanksgiving. You know, what you kind of do when you, you go out to all the bars with all your friends. I half-assed watched the game, and it was a slaughter. And I was like, wow, I'm so happy the Rangers aren't ruining my Thanksgiving Eve. So that was my analysis of that game. Do you have any takes other than it was an absolute dominating performance, which continued sort of our our sort of dominant streak at this point? Uh, the rate once the Rangers got up to nothing, we turned the game over to the Knicks game. That's how it would. I, there are a few times in my life where I watch a game and I'm confident the Rangers aren't going to lose. The Wednesday was one of those games. It was it was such a convincing performance from right from the jump that I felt like I didn't need to watch the entire game to know what the outcome was going to be. No, definitely not. And, and I felt the same way. And, and again, guys, the, the Carolina team, they're okay. They've been slumping a little bit, but it was just dominant from the start. Like right away, we're like, wow, I won this game. I don't really need to – I can go out. This is nice. Thanks, Rangers. Did you just Did you just move away from your microphone? Why do you sound really far away? Did I? Am I back now? Sorry. You sounded, it sounded off. Okay. Am I back? We're good? Yeah, now, now you're all right. All right. Now, now you sound like your normal uh, – what uh, squirrel on cocaine self? Yeah, that's that what I was I've gotten as? so many nice comments from all the listeners all after all these years. Um, and then the Friday game, Jimmy Howard continues to do exactly what he does against the Rangers, even when he was a backup, which is be absolutely phenomenal and a brick wall. Luckily, it's, it's crazy. New York is such a big state. I don't know how someone can be from Syracuse and consider Madison Square Garden their hometown. Syracuse is like five and a half hours away from New York City. You're, you're more likely to be a Sabres fan than a Rangers fan. So as, as a long, long Islander, as they pronounce it, uh, anything above Manhattan is upstate for us. But I think Syracuse actually clarifies as upstate. So like, well, you, would, you would consider Albany upstate, right? Yeah, I would, but I know it's not. Yeah, Syracuse is upstate from me. Yeah. Well, yeah. to be fair, like New York is a vast state. Syracuse is actually west of me. But it's so – like they call themselves central New York. That's – there's upstate. Anything above Poughkeepsie is upstate. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think a bunch of people will yell at us and be like, nah, not really. But if you're from Long Island, you know, not that many people you are listening are, you know anything above Manhattan is upstate for you. That's it. So Yeah, my, my definition has always been if Metro North can't get to you, you're upstate. Like Shattenkirk's from New Rochelle, so we're good. He's money. We're fine. Yeah, New Rochelle is very, very clearly, firmly in the New York area. Yeah, your hometown. City, but yeah. Syracuse, but anyway, but Tower doesn't care plays out of his mind every single time he comes it's, here. It's insane. And this is – this is he's got – I think the stat line they showed there in the game was he has the best save percentage among all active goalies against the Rangers. And it's it's something insane too. It's like – it's over like 970. Oh, yeah. He destroys us. But luckily for and, us, man. Hank has sort of returned to form. And by sort of, I mean sort probably of. playing the best he's played in two, three years. Yeah, he's unreal right now. He's on a stretch. He, uh, I, so the Rangers, let, let's quickly do this. The Rangers won 2-1 okay. against the Red Wings. It was a sloppy offensive performance. Um, Hank saved what should have been a lot of high, high, uh, high percent chances from the Red Wings. Mm -hmm. And the Rangers got the win in overtime. That, it wasn't a convincing win. It wasn't a solid team performance. It was Henrik Lundqvist was the best goalie on this night. And that's, that's why the Rangers won kind of game. And it was very hard to be the best goalie on that night, considering Jimmy Howard was like, there's no way I'm letting anything more than one in. Unfortunately for him, he let two. It was like a pitcher's duel where both pitchers struck out 15, and then one person gave up a solo home run. This reminds me of the time the Yankees. Anyway, let's move on. Um, so, <laughs> so the Vancouver game, which we happened to go to, as previously mentioned, this, sure this game was painful, but fun. In a way that you knew who the bad players on the ice were all night. 
Yep. It was very obvious that Camphor was struggling, is the word I'll use. Out, out uh, there. No, that's not the word you should use. He was, he was shit terrible. Hmm. Oh, shit terrible. That's what you're going with? Oh, yeah, sorry. shit terrible. It was, it's crazy. I, we've harped on Camphor a lot on this podcast. Like it, he's become the new glass. He's, he's kind of the whipping okay, boy. Okay, let's talk about the difference, though. At my heart of hearts, no. I, I love Tanner Glass. No, like, you didn't. I do, though. Like I do love you, you I love you love the meme. You love the existence of Tanner Glass. You I, didn't like the player. I I okay, well he scored a goal against the Canadians. That was a big deal for me. You know, sure. I, I would have rather played Bushnevich. Yes, of course I would have. Like, come on, guys. But Tanner, like when he was playing well or when he like hit somebody and hyped up the crowd, I was in. Like I mm. Tanner at least got me excited. You know who doesn't get yeah. me excited at all? Mr. Camper. Well, okay. First of all, that's that's a shit opinion you have, and I'm disappointed. Oh, thanks, buddy. Se- second, <laughs> Camper. Hey, if he here's, a, here's some analysis, if, Greg. Your opinion, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but two years, Ryan. Some things never change. Yeah, I guess. Uh, it it became a running joke in the sweep where anytime Camper was on the ice, oh Camper, uh, guys we were sitting with would just start looking at me, waiting for me to react to something Camper does. It was incredible every time. He was on the ice. The Rangers would have incredible difficulty getting the puck out of their own zone and not just getting the puck out of their own zone and giving Hank a chance to breathe. But it seemed like every time the Rangers would make a pass, the Canadians would intercept it in a high chance situation. I, I, yeah. I, got, I wasn't kidding. I wasn't kidding. No, I, I, I know. Say, like, this isn't a joke. It's sniffle edition for a reason, my friend. Uh, yeah, except, except now the coughs are back. Um, it's just... I've never seen so many turnovers in dangerous positions by either team. It's almost like the best passes to set up shot attempts for the Canucks and Rangers came from their opposing defenders. There was two, like you already mentioned one. There's two things, trends in this game I noticed. The cross, uh, the cross ice dangerous passes, which led to uh, an obscene amount of turnovers in this game that were very frustrating to watch as a fan. And the second is how many shots Vancouver got to take from the slot. And I don't know if those are correlated. That's probably a good question for our friend Drew Way. Yeah, but not just slot, shots from the slot. They were like clear shots from the slot with nobody in front of them. Oh, nobody. And there was nobody. There was no man on him. And Hank had to stop a lot of high, high dangerous shots from the beginning of the game to keep us in it. Now, what's the second period, the second half of the second period, I would say, I felt like the Rangers took over the game in full by kind of asserting their speed and putting the pressure on the Vancouver Canucks. And, and sort of, and I'll be honest, it, it looked like we outconditioned the Canucks. Now, that, that could be a West going East kind of deal. Um, I, I hate that excuse in sports, though. That's just kind of my deal. Uh, well, let's also remember the second goal of the game, Paul Carey just forgot what the puck looked like, and the Canucks took it and scored on Hank. I, that That is just ingrained in my head so hard at this point that now Paul Carey is quickly getting into the same category of camper where I don't understand why he's here. And a big reason why the Rangers looked better to me in the third period is Outside of camp for the two Rangers that had the worst games were DeHarnay and Carey. And DeHarnay straight up got benched. He didn't well, see the ice. In the yeah, third and Carey got like one shift. I think he got, I think he got two. Okay. Um, but it, he got less than five minutes in the third period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, well, DeHarnay, like, I don't know what to do with him at this point. It, we do have some players that are playing relatively well at the AHL level. But it seems that the Rangers organization wants to keep them down there to keep the development going. Letieri, for example. Well, Lettieri, I kind of understand because he's a younger player. Uh, I, I don't know what the Rangers' apprehension is to calling up Adam Tambellini at this point because Tambellini is one of those guys who's having sustained success at Hartford for the second straight year. And he's also 
he's, he's not a guy you're trying to build the future around. He's He might be the definition of like a quad A player, but you don't know until you call him up and you see what you have with him. If Adam Tambellini is, doesn't actually turn out to be uh, someone you can regularly put in your NHL lineup, I don't think necessarily you're too heartbroken one way or the other. Like it, It's okay being a good role player or a good bench player. Like Not everyone can be all-star caliber starting forward. Adam Tambellini might be a perfectly good 20th man. And the only way you're going to be able to find that out is to call him up and finally see what he has at the NHL level. So to keep Paul Carey here where you know what he is, which is a below average NHL forward who should only be in lineups as an injury replacement, and David DeHarnay, whose confidence is so shook right now because of the way Elaine Vigneault has used him this season uh, and kind of left him out to dry, I, I don't I, – so I, I just don't understand why Tambellini is not here. I get the Lettieri thing. If, if the Rangers feel like Lettieri is a legitimate piece of this team moving forward and they don't want to – have him sitting on the bench as a healthy scratch uh, or only getting eight, nine minutes a night on the fourth line, fine. I, I don't think you can make the same argument for Adam Tambellini. I think you need Tambellini up here. Again, not as a difference maker, just one, he's better than Paul Carey. And two, you just have to see what you have. You know, it's funny. At some point, you need to see what you have. I agree with you. Uh, Paul Carey, we kind of know who he is at this point. I know it's been a small sample size of games, quote unquote, but he's a 30-year-old AHLer. That's just the way it is. Is that impressive that he made it to the NHL? Of course, dude, but you're not helping the team the way we kind of need it at this point. When it com- I think we I think we've always known what Paul Carey is. I think we knew what Paul I knew I think, I think we knew what he called when he was called up and he was like playing on the yep. third line wing. We were like, what? Yep. What? Uh so at this point, I think you really need to see what you got, like with Tamber League, as you were saying. The same goes, by the way, for our friend Minduleth, Mr. Peacock. He should be up here trying to prove himself. Or, even better, Ryan Graves. Are those guys they want to keep developing down at the AHL level, or do you think they're ready to play up, up at the NHL level and get their shot of coffee? I, I just don't understand why we're not doing that when Camper obviously is overmatched at this point with McDonough out with an abdominal injury. Especially with McDonough out with an abdominal injury. Once again, I can totally understand the point of the Rangers don't want these guys up here unless they're going to play. Mm-hmm. But... McDonough is, has missed three straight games. I don't think a clear timetable to his return has been made clear. So why the Rangers have decided not to call up an extra defenseman is a little confusing. Um, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially, again, knowing that what the Rangers have with Carey and DeHarnay. Carey specifically. I, I can't, The only reason DeHarnay played – was because Bunievis wasn't healthy enough to go on Sunday. Uh, but Boo's injury doesn't seem long-term, which means Carey or DeHarnay will return well, to the pine. The funny part about Boo's injury is that, and I didn't know this stat before he got injured, is that he didn't have a point outside of his first game. And I have to tell That's you... He's, he's a fourth-line center. You don't need your fourth-line... Well, you fourth didn't line even let me make my point, Greg. My point is... <laughs> thank you to your anniversary. Love you. My point is that it never seemed like he wasn't making an impact. He was always making an impact on this team, even without making points. That's it. Thanks, Greg. Go on. <laughs> yes. Spring more off that. I don't want my fourth-line center having 40-point seasons. Uh, my fourth-line center is supposed to provide me with minutes 
I don't know what I don't know what I'm trying to say. The stability you know, of, of playing an offensive yeah. and defensive game without having to worry about him as a liability. Is that good for you, right. Greg? That that is good for me. I got and Bruni has, has been that perfectly. I think yes. Bruni's been one of the pleasant surprises so far this season. I happen to agree uh, with you. Yeah, I I just why the Rangers haven't made a defensive move uh with as many defensive pieces that they have still in Hartford, even with Barry Glazov back in Russia and Sean Day back in the OHL. Graves, Pionk, um, even, I mean, D'Angelo has been a train wreck. I was just about to say, so not hey, so what about this Tony D'Angelo fella? He's, he's been a train wreck. We don't need to go in depth on that. He's just been bad. That's uh, it's not, depressing. That's not good. That's all I'll say. No, but Pionk and Graves are sitting right there, and it's not like a Heedle situation where he their entry-level contracts aren't triggered because they haven't been in the NHL yet. These are guys who, in Graves' case, has been around the system a couple of years now, and has done nothing but prove his value. And Pionk, who was fresh out of the NCAA and been playing great in Hartford all year, one of these guys should have been giving, been get, getting a look on the Rangers roster while McDonough's been out. It's it's really not that hard. You well, know what's the well, it is hard because we don't we don't do it. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not that hard. Okay. That, that's the whole thing. Av thinks it's that hard, and it's just not. Um, you, you know what Camphor is, and it's. It's a trash can lit on fire. I, I won't even call them a traffic cone because I think that's insulting to traffic cones. Traffic cones serve a purpose. They tell you where not to drive. A trash can lit on fire serves no purpose, which is what Steve Kampfer is. Um, he's bad. He's bad. And if you're trying to be a playoff team and you're giving Steve Kampfer even eight minutes a night, it's not going to work for you. It's just not going to do it. And you know what? As bad as Kampfer is, some of it's not even his fault because – I, I think I made the comment to you in the first period, and I continued to check. The When the Rangers are the home team, they get the uh, one of the few advantages home teams get in the NHL besides crowd influence is you have last change. So when yep. the opposing team puts their five guys out for a faceoff, the Rangers have the ability to make an adjustment to whoever those five guys on the ice are. The Vancouver Canucks would put the Sedins on the ice, and Elaine Vigneault would counter with Stahl and Camphor. I I don't understand. It's it's not this hard. And uh, I forget what game it was earlier this year that we made this point where, oh, it was the Blues game because the same thing was happening when Tarasenko was on the ice. Yeah, we put Holden right on him, right? It's just not that hard. Yeah. It's not that hard, guys. Camphor should not – if you're going to have to play Camphor, you have to hide him in some ways. And what A.V. was doing by his deployments – was telling us that he thinks not only is Steve Kampfer good enough to be in the Rangers lineup when everyone is fully healthy, but he's <coughs> excuse me, because this comment is killing me. <laughs> AB thinks Steve Kampfer is an above average NHL defenseman because you do not put only average defensemen against the Sedins. I don't care if the Sedins are like 84 combined at this point, they're still elite offensive playmakers, and you do not put your worst defensive pairing out against them. And that's no knock on Mark Stahl. Stahl didn't have a great game. Um, it's 100% a mark, uh, knock on Steve Camper because whoever Camper is paired with, if, unless it's McDonough, becomes your worst defensive pairing. And A.V. was going out of his way to put Camper on the ice against the Sedins. And what happened? The Canucks controlled the puck in the offensive zone anytime Camper was on the ice. It was so frustrating to watch, especially in person. Because it was like a slow train wreck happening right in front of us. Let's talk about the goods. 
You know, sometimes we, I think we ignore the goods on this podcast because we just okay. like complaining so much. It's easier to complain. It's so easy to complain, but it's so hard to say that Jimmy VC has developed into a really nice offensive player. He's and, good. And the play between him and Rick Nash, uh, who all, all, who I hate, as you know, Greg. Oh, um, you hate him so much. Definitely hate, hate Rick Nash. Don't don't. Actually, your least favorite Ranger. I of don't all actually time. hate Rick Nash. Rate us five stars on iTunes. Um, the play when Rick Nash does like a three sixty bat behind the back pass to Jimmy VC, who sets up like a deke in front of the goal was a thing of beauty. Jimmy VC playing without his two front teeth, by the way, uh, Jimmy Vithy, as they call him, it had not only had that, but had the shootout goal with Rick Nash to send the game in one of the most exciting shootouts we've seen in a couple years. Maybe it was funny because the, the shootout happened on the anniversary of Merrick Malik's between the legs game winner against the Capitals in like the 15th round of a shootout. I really wanted it to keep going, but I'm excited. We won. I was ready for 11 rounds. I wasn't. Shootouts are fucking stressful. Yeah, I saw someone today say that shootouts are the most stressful thing in sports. I was like, you haven't watched playoff hockey. Because everything about playoff hockey from start to finish is the worst. And I don't know why I do it to myself. I feel like any sport in overtime is stressful. Except for maybe the NFL, which is just bad in overtime. NFL needs to... I don't mean to get on a tangent, but the NFL needs to adopt... The NFL needs to adopt college football overtime rules. College right? football overtime is I hate, the best overtime. I, I, I say this every week. I hate football. But college overtime in football is amazing. Everyone, college college is amazing, especially compared to the NFL. It, it, that has become painfully clear this year. But the college football overtime is just so much better than NFL overtime. Isn't uh, No, correct me if I'm wrong. It's each team gets a chance from the 10-yard line as many times as possible as long as they keep scoring. I think it's the 25-yard line. Wow, it's that it's that far? Wow, that's yeah, awesome. It's, it's far enough where you get at least one fresh set of downs. That's awesome. All right, see so you, you can get a first down and keep going. I just – I hate the NFL. Um, do we want to go over and call our friend Fitz? Mr. Fitzpatrick? Well, we didn't really go over the positive at all. We just said Jimmy VC is oh, good. Oh, yeah. I, I just looked at the time. That's why. All right. Um, right. Let's talk about the rest of the positives. The offense seems to be clicking. Even though Mika Zabinojad it ha- did disappear for that last game, he's obviously been the focal point of this – of this Rangers team and has really advanced his center play is a, is a bona fide one C and it really, I guess I would say that whole entire line, Buchnevich, Kreider, and, and because Zabinajad has been a highlight of this entire season where they're just overtaking games. It's very obvious every single time they're on the ice. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even, well, I just wouldn't even say it was unfair. I, I think it's unfair to say Mika had a bad game. Uh, he was a little, just, just not as noticeable as usually, usually is. You're going to have off nights yeah, like that. Not, not off nights, but, Less noticeable. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it an off night. I just think other players were more noticeable. Um, Rick Nash, Jimmy for both for the good and the bad. Uh, mostly, uh, for me personally, um, the bad was so much more noticeable than the good. Uh, but Nash, Nash and VC were, I think, in my mind, good throughout the game. And it's it's nice to see that the Rangers have so much forward depth where VC couldn't get out of the fourth line until the third period where he started getting shifted higher up. Um, at the same time, VC being buried is really my, it's the reason why I, Jesper Foss does nothing wrong. He's a perfectly great player and he's actually been playing really well. I was actually just about to Nash say, Jesper Foss has been really incredible recently. He's, I mean, he scored two goals in the Carolina game. And he scored uh, the first goal on Sunday. Yep. He's, he's been, he's been solid. So it's not an indictment of his play with what I'm about to say, but man, you would love to get VC more ice time. And I think the clearest way to get VC more ice time is to put him 
with Nash and Hayes. Well, I guess if we're still, let that. still talking about the rest of the good from the week, Brandon Smith actually looked like a serviceable defenseman. He doesn't really look, quote-unquote, out of shape. Uh, some of the hits he laid, the way he was skating, and some of his takeaways were rather impressive. I thought he looked really good out on the ice. Also, Brady Shea. Oh, my God. The Brady Shea assist on the overtime goal in versus the, the Red Wings over the weekend was pure heaven. He just fought off two different defenders to pass it clear across the ice to, for the goal. And I have to say, Brady Shea has been impressive with McDonough going out. I think he knew he needed to step up, and he did. Shea's been good all year. Um, he, his partnership with Shattenkirk has been surprisingly strong. I, I thought it was a mismatched pairing when they first got put together, but I have zero complaints about their work on the ice. And they've been getting top pairing um, assignments with McDonough being injured, and they have not disappointed in these last three games. Smith, like you said, I I haven't seen anything wrong with him in his play since he came back from his uh, punishment. I guess is what we can call it. He, the numbers really weren't there. His first two games out, he looked a little lost. The Red Wings game wasn't great for him, but he was solid through and through when the Rangers needed him most on Sunday. Uh, He was one of the more consistent defensemen they had going, especially when Camper was doing his best just to lay an egg. Um, It's almost like Smith should have been in the lineup. Maybe, I don't know, the entire year. Hmm. Hmm. Crazy. Hmm. I just, I don't, I don't get it. He was out of shape, Greg. He couldn't play hockey. He was too fat. He, he partied too hard. Man, I love it. Last year, everything was Kevin Hayes, 20 pounds of muscle, off season. This year, it's uh, Brendan Smith just out drinking every night. Too good looking. Yeah, it's almost like the beat, the beat guys just have a real problem. They just, the beat guys in the summer, all they're doing is just trolling Planet Fitnesses and New York sports clubs and stuff like that instead of, I don't know literally doing anything else we have a really good reputation with everyone that works at msg and the beat guys so that's nice um <laughs> <laughs> to be fair it's not all the beat guys i, I there it, are beat guys that are great and they're one in particular we have a, a nice relationship just, with that's all it's just steve fucking zippe oh him well, we'll, say it. <laughs> i don't care he blocks us it's not like he can see anything we do what if, Man, he if he ever finds out we have personal accounts though we can still see his tweets he's gonna get pissed. yeah we just switch we just switch steve it takes us three seconds yeah, i can still see all your meaningless tweets that provide no insight whatsoever the only thing i use honestly the only thing i use zip a for are um lines and rust and um lineup announcements everything else he does i i couldn't care less good for you and that was you Zipay, have no you have no purpose that was our two-year anniversary which is steve's today uh let's uh go over <laughs> We can mention that we have we have a Patreon goal centered around Steve Zippe if we ever get there. It's going to be great. I totally forgot about this. We're doing the deep dive on deep Steve Zippe, right? That's what that's what's happening? Search, searching for Steve. We're going to do an eight-part miniseries oh on God. Searching for Steve. I can't believe that's Figuring right. out what made him so miserable. Okay. We're like talking to his friends and family and such? Oh, yeah. I got his third grade teacher lined up. No problem. That's amazing. All right. Uh, let's move over to Fitzy, and then we'll uh, – I guess we'll do that hockey and do that podcasting. Right? Okay. Transition. And we have Brendan Fitzpatrick. I mean, Fitzgerald. I mean, Brendan Fitzy GSN from Got the Sports Network. Fitz, say hello. What's up, everyone? Thanks for having me back on, guys. Course, Appreciate it. Of course, man. You like- look you look more like a Fitzsimmons, at, in all fairness. So. That's good podcasting. Everyone can I've see had him. that, too. Yeah. I've gotten that, too. <laughs> what, what are the iterations of Fitz? There's Fitzpatrick, Fitzsimmons, Fitzgerald. Fitzmorris, I've seen a couple of. Fitzmorris, I think Fitzgibbons might be one too. Oh, that, yeah, I've heard that one. That's a rare one, but that's those are like the the core core four, core five. I guess you could go with. That reminds me of the time the Yankees we had Bernie Williams and, and the core four. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right, so let's talk. <laughs> 
You wrote an article talking about trading Rick Nash, did you not? I did. That is that is correct. Greg is a hard and steadfast opinion on this. I uh, can be swayed either way, even though I kind of know my opinion already. But <laughs> I would like you to tell us what that article was sort of about. Sure. So quick synopsis, the spark notes of it is, um, you know, obviously Rick Nash is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, $7.8 million cap hit. He is, you know, having a good year. He's having Rick Nash year. He's doing all the right things. He's not really scoring as much as he has in the past or really, you know, pretty much since that 42 goal season, it's been, a, it's been a pretty steep decline in goal scoring for him. Mm-hmm. But um, basically it's just looking at that the Rangers, they really don't have a choice here with, with the way that they're trying to move or, and then that's another point that we'll get to, I guess that I talked about in the articles that like the state of the Rangers is so murky and so clouded with like what their direction is that it's hard to make trades like this. Cause you really, what are, what are the Rangers right now? Like they are the team that is literally in the dreaded middle. You know, they're not they're not a cup contender and they're not bottoming out. So, you know, what direction are they trying to go? Are they still trying to compete as long as they have Henrik Lundqvist? Are they are they trying to just stock up and rebuild? Are they trying to dump salary? Are they still trying to go for it this year? So, like, from my point of view, it's that the Rangers, no matter what, no matter where they are come February when the trade deadline rolls around, um, they need to trade Rick Nash. They need to recoup something from him because the, the chance of losing him in the offseason – this guy that you gave up so much for, you know, five years ago almost, you need to recoup something for him, and you can't have him walk away for nothing. And the fact is that he's a very valuable trade asset right now. You know, I'm looking at TSN's trade bait list, and outside of maybe Evander Kane and James Neal, I don't think there's one other forward on that list that I'd rather have than Rick Nash. I mean, they have Vanek and Perron ranked ahead of him, which I, eh. I guess, I guess because of cap cap hit i guess that makes sense but but the rangers are able can retain salary and and that's salary cap stuff can be worked around um but but at the end of the day i just think rick nash he's a he's a really useful player and he could help a team out you know that's that's a cup contender or even the step below a cup contender that thinks they're a piece or two away you know he, he hits hockey trade bingo uh you play him in your top nine uh you play play him on the penalty kill you play him on the power play uh, you could use him in a shutdown role. You could have him provide some offense. You know, he's just – he's a great player, and I think that the it sucks that they are in this position, but I think that if you don't trade him, you're just – you're really screwing yourself. So, Greg, I'm going to let you do this first. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm still dying. It's fine. Um, what this really comes down to is Keith Yandel deja vu. This is exactly that's what basically, that's, that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, it's the same position the Rangers were in a year and a half ago with Keith Yandel when – the talk was, are the Rangers good enough with him right now to make a cup run? The answer then was no. Absolutely and not. are the Rangers going to have enough money to re-sign him? And the answer was always no because, I mean, just look at the contract that he got. The Rangers were never going to come close to that deal in free agency. Here's the thing we also learned from Keith Yandel, though. The Rangers are never going to trade a guy at the deadline to recoup assets. This is not the, it's not the team they are. They, I, when's the last time they've done it? Anytime they've been anywhere around a playoff spot, I think this organization, they like putting asses in seats in Madison Square Garden during the playoffs. I, 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 I think the organizational goal is every year we have to make the playoffs, where us as fans look at it as making the playoffs isn't enough. But I, I think there's a disconnect between what we think as fans and what the front office thinks. I think if the, if the if Rangers miss the playoffs, it's a catastrophic failure. Whereas if us as fans say, if we miss, miss the playoffs, it's not, 
it's not necessarily the end of the world if the team's doing the right things. So if the front office changes their opinion, yeah, I think you talk about trading Rick Nash. I just, as long as the Rangers are hovering around a playoff spot, I don't ever see it happening. It's just, it's not what but this do you think is like not a smart move. Like, I know you think the Rangers won't do it, but do you think it would make sense to actually trade him because there's a chance we can't retain him? And it would be nice to get an asset such as a draft pick. Yeah, I think it's I, because exactly what Brandon said. Let's be honest. This Rangers team's not winning a Stanley Cup this year. So if if the end of the goal is to win a Stanley Cup for an organization like the Rangers, which it is, and this team is not capable of doing it, then I think you need to start playing a little bit for 2018-19. And I, there's a chance Rick Nash is in the Rangers' plans for next year. I, I Even at a discount, as Brandon was making a point in his article, it's hard because you look at the four restricted free agents the Rangers are going to have to deal with this upcoming year. Uh, Brandon, you mentioned yep. the two obvious ones are Hayes and Miller, but then they also have to deal with Shea, and they're also going to have to deal with VC. Yep. Um, it's it's hard. It's a good thing the Rangers haven't maxed out their cap this year, so they're yep. going to roll cap over. But even with the cap they have, plus the nearly eight million that comes off the books with Nash, plus the <coughs> million and a half. See, Brandon's sick too. I'm not the only one. We're all sick. Oh, man, I'm dying out here. I'm trying plus not to be mil- sick. Million and a half that comes off the book with your boy Pavlik. Um, yeah, I hate that. There's Grabner too. Yep, Grabner comes off the books. There's some wiggle room, but there's not a lot. Um, but here's uh, we'll go back to this, and I'll be interested to hear Brandon's point on this because we talked about it with Woj. Even if you trade Nash, I still think the Rangers are going to trade Miller too. I don't see them re-signing all four of those restricted free agents. It's just so hard to trade Miller. Yeah, I actually happen to agree with you on on I I don't think out of those four, I I, I agree that one of them will be gone, and I, I surely hope it's not JT Miller. Um, I would rather see what you can get for VC, but his his value really isn't that high. I mean, Jimmy VC is just a He's an okay player, you know. Despite of what he's, he's been a, doing recently, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's played well. He's played well, and but I, I just think he's more. He's just like a top nine, you know, replaceable type forward. I don't, I don't think he. I think he was extremely overrated coming out of college. I, I always thought that when he was even there before he signed with the Rangers, I never really got all the hype. Okay. It's just a classic, you know, American media in the middle of August when there's nothing to talk about hockey. You know, let's just talk about all these guys in college. That are not a team yet, and you know most of the time these guys are marginal players. Obviously, you hit gold like the Devils kind of did with Will Butcher because he's he's fantastic. Um, but still, I mean the, the you know VC to me is the one I would look to. I, I don't want Miller gone. I actually J, JT Miller to me is just I, I love I love his game. I love everything about the way that the he plays, and he's one of those guys I want to keep around. The contract is just it's going to be really weird trying to work that out long term. Yeah, the the conversation we've had is you look at the the four that are going to be up as RFAs. Brady Shea is the no doubter. You have to get him signed first. He's Absolutely. not going anywhere. He's the foundational building block of your defense with Shattenkirk uh, and hopefully McDonough. Even though McDonough, we got to talk about in oh, a yeah. year and a half as well. Then VC in my mind, you can get on a. I'm not a big bridge deal guy, but I think you can get VC for two years at something under two million dollars annually. And that's a good depth piece to have as a top nine forward that you can slide between your second and third line. So then it really comes down to who's more important for the Rangers, Kevin Hayes or JT Miller. And while I think we're all in agreement that JT Miller is a more talented player, I think Kevin Hayes is more important to the Rangers long-term just because if you lose Hayes too, you, you are a literal team with Mika Zibanejad. Yeah, you have no centers, no centers. 
as hype as I am on Heedle and as hype as I am on Leah Anderson, you're talking about a team that's going to be relying on two guys under the age of 20 to carry 66% of their offensive production from their top nine lies. That top nine forwards. That's that's tough. Even for exceptionally talented players, that's tough. So when you when you just think about where people have to play on the Rangers teams moving forward, I don't see how JT Miller can be more important for the team than Kevin Hayes, even if we all agree that JT Miller is the more talented player, which I think we all do. We definitely do. JT Miller is the more talented player. We actually, didn't we talk about trading JT Miller for a bunch of different defensemen over the past two years? We yep. we had our chance to, to sign JT Miller for a long-term deal. and We decided we weren't sure he was good, so we bridge-dealed him. Now we have to deal with that consequence. What I've, at the time, Greg, what did we say? Do you even remember what we said for the bridge deal? We said it was probably a good idea, right? I think it's one of the, again, I'm, I'm never really the proponent of a bridge deal because when the bridge deal expires, you find yourself in the exact same situation the Rangers are currently in right now. It's, it's, it's hard. But when the Rangers, and, and here's the other part of it, if the Rangers extended Miller long-term two years ago, he's not a, he wasn't a $5 million a year player then, and he's easily that now. Easily, yeah. If, if, you, if you got Miller extended long-term back then, you're probably talking about a contract below three and a half annually for four to five years, which would have been a steal of a con a steal of a contract. Here's one of those Victor Arvidsson type contracts where you look back on, you're just like, how, how the hell did anybody let this happen? You know? Right. And here's the other reason why bridge deals really are a bad idea. It's because there's never a bridge deal. That's such a high financial value that it becomes immovable. Even if JT Miller didn't blossom this way, there would have been a team that would have been willing to take a three and a half million dollar risk on him. Um, it's when you see the free agent contracts that are getting handed out to guys that are not as good as JT Miller is, and you could have got that type of player at a much lower number for a longer term than two years, makes you think a couple times, well, why didn't they just do this before? But this is the situation bridge deals. They're a double-edged sword. Cause on one hand you got Miller for less for two years than you would have had to pay him for five. And on the other hand, it's, it's it's a poorly hedged bet because now he's going to cost you twice as much as what he would have if you just gave him the long-term deal two years ago. The only time the Rangers have really ever gotten the uh, the bridge deal, lock him up long-term thing was with McDonough. It's the only time they've ever really done it right, I think, because um, they did it with Stepan. They did the bridge, and it screwed them after that because, you know, as much as I love Derek Stepan, he was probably slightly overpaid. And they could have had him locked up a lot longer for a lot less if they did it two years earlier. So, you know, I don't, I don't really trust the range. Like, I don't trust the Rangers brass with bridge deals at all, uh, given the given their history with it. At least, yeah, no, it's it's a slippery slope. And again, I I mean, I was not even five minutes ago. I said bridge dealing Jimmy VC, not the end of the world. But I with VC, I think giving him a two year deal, he's just he's an older player when it comes to quote unquote young talent. Like he's He's on the older end of that spectrum and has only been in the league for two years. So it's not I, – I don't think Jimmy Vesey's ever going to blossom into a guy where you're going to have to pay him $5 million, million annually. So if you, can, if you can manipulate the numbers and save a million on a two-year deal with your ninth best forward, I, you can do it. I, I won't hold a grudge against you. But it's when they do it for guys like a Kevin Hayes. Not I, I Actually, I think they did bridge Kevin Hayes. They did bridge Kevin Hayes. Yep. We did yeah. both at the same time. Yeah, this they put themselves in this. If they bridge Brady Shea, I'm I'm already in. Uh, it's going to be horrific if they bridge if they bridge Shea. It's going to be an absolute disaster. 
Well, because then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay McDonough, and then the year after that you're gonna have to pay Shea, and you're just not gonna have to cap. Still got unless they somehow get out of the stall contract, which I don't. They could. I, I even as well as Stall's playing this year, I still think he's a buyout candidate after the season. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed. See, I I just don't think so. I if AV's the coach, we've seen that he has a lot of um, I will call it dick swinging power. And Mark Stahl is one of his boys. There's no way he goes anywhere. Like, Girardi, I know, was AK also one of his boys. But Girardi was playing, like, oh, horseshit. Now Mark Stahl is playing I, as a serviceable defense, defenseman. He's, he's just playing as shit, Mark Stahl. Yeah, not horseshit, just not shit. Not horseshit, just shit in general. Well, here's, here's the thing. I Just based on defensive pairing assignments that we've seen over the years, I think you can make the argument that Dan Girardi was more of an AV boy than Stahl has ever been. Because Girardi, at his worst, was still getting top pairing minutes with McDonough. Whereas Stahl has never been, while Stahl has gotten important assignments in important game situations, he's never been gifted those kind of Girardi minutes. Not, not in the way Dan Girardi was. So if, in my mind, if Dan Girardi can be bought out, I really think anyone can be bought out. I just don't think this team does it. I, I don't think they want to have two buyout contracts they're paying for the next, like, what, seven, eight years? Yeah, but, but back to the heart of Fitz, your point is, would I, would I personally trade Rick Nash? Yeah, because I'm I'm with you guys. I don't think the Rangers are a Stanley Cup team, and if they're not a Stanley Cup team, there isn't a need for someone like Rick Nash on this roster, especially when he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. And it's it's kind of like a – Ryan, you made this mention before. It's kind of like a Chapman situation. There's no saying – if the Rangers really want Nash back, just re-sign him in the offseason. It's not, it's, it's not unheard of for a guy to be traded – and not return. It's as a really free if Rick Nash wants to become a Ranger again. That's at yeah. that point. And I think he's he's enough of a pro to kind of to get it. He get. I think Rick Nash gets the business side of hockey. So like, I don't think his feelings would be hurt if they traded him and then wanted to bring him back. You know, right? And if the Rangers paint it like, hey man, look, we want you back next year, but we're not winning a cup this year, and we think you're good enough to go on a cup run with a deserving team. We'd love to talk contract with you in the off season. Let's talk then. For now. We want to recoup some assets for you, and we want to make sure you're on a playoff contender. Like, there's a way you can paint the picture to Nash where you're not coming off as a bad guy. But then again, we just don't trade them. Like you, like the point you made, right. Greg. That's, that's, that's really my point at the end of the day. Yeah, as the nice only- as this scenario sounds like, the Rangers are not an organization that sells off assets when they think they have a playoff team. You're absolutely, you're, you're 100% right. And the only one you can even like kind of make a case for is Callahan, but he was traded for St. Louis, which was a, a win a now move. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like, I always, I always remember when I remember clearly when Glenn Sather had his, his conference call about Callahan, he said, um, you know, we had two deals on the table, one to help out the team long-term and another to, to help out the team right now. And I think the, the long-term one was like a trade with the Sharks for like a bunch of picks and prospects. So like – There's a bunch of picks of Brett Burns. Oh, no, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants that guy? He's a bum. Did <laughs> uh, you see how many block shots he gets? None, I bet. Zero. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's my – that's that's like you're, you're – to quote Pierre Maguire, you're, you're bang on with that point that they don't they do not do it. They don't, they don't yeah. sell people off. Wait, I, Pierre I Maguire says it, bang on? Oh, all the time. Oh, my God. You're bang on, Doc and Eddie. Oh my yeah. God. Okay, Pierre, um, <laughs> yeah, just to, I just, even when Sather says something like we had two offers on the table, I don't think Sather ever would have <laughs> taken the long-term option. I, it's, it's just this team's mentality is we need to make the playoffs at all costs because think about it. Instead of, instead of the Rangers trading Keith Yandel, they traded for Eric Stahl. Like yeah. it, it didn't make any sense when the Rangers made that stall move. And then everything that happened with that, him not being used properly by AV, 
the Rangers getting smoked by the Penguins. Stall leaving for Minnesota and proving that He's he wasn't washed still. up. Um, <laughs> unreal. So it, this is a nice thought to have. And I, I 100% agree that if the Rangers, they need to take a hard look in the mirror. And if they're truly, quote unquote, rebuilding on the fly, which I think is the biggest lie we've ever been told as Ranger fans, they're not going to trade Rick Nash because they need to get to the playoffs. And they're not going to get they're not going to make the playoffs if they get rid of Rick Nash because they don't have a player on the roster that can adequately fill those important shoes this year. There isn't he doesn't exist. I don't know. Paul Carey looks pretty good lately. Yeah. Oh, we, <laughs> we we actually talked about this before you came on about Paul Carey, Camper, and DeHarnay and what we're really going to do with them. Do we have anything to do? It's 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 not this team like those are the weak points of this team. If we replace them, obviously replacing them is not easy. It's hard to get good talent. You can't just pick yeah. them up for the street. Unless, you know, no, you probably can't. Never mind. Not gonna, not gonna, for, yeah, <laughs> for, for people not understanding Ryan, that's that's pure sarcasm. Because, again, Camper is a trash can lit on fire. He is, <laughs> he is just – I watched the Minimites play in between the first and second period of the Ranger game. I identified at least four nine-year-olds that were better than Steve Camper. It's Kefir must really like if he's you think he listens to this every week and just shakes his head like those guys don't know what the work I put in. He's taking he notes. Doesn't, I don't know. He, I don't know if Kefir has the mental capacity to understand what a podcast is. <laughs> oh my god, he's not. <laughs> he's not like a terrible person, Greg. He just can't play hockey. He could be a nice guy, but I look. I can only judge a guy based on what he does on the ice when I see him, and that that's all I'm going to say okay. about that. All right. Um, I, hey man, I'm not the only one that has hate. You can't stand Rick Nash. Here I you are, love just... Rick Nash. He's a great player. I just wanted to do better. That's all. I mean, he's done really since since I I came on this podcast like three weeks ago and was like, you know what? Has Rick Nash really shown anything this year? He's really shoved it up my ass because he's, he's been, played he, well lately. He's done nothing but like do amazing 360s in front of the net with full body control while making passes across the body and be amazing the whole time. I hate that guy. Um, Greg, uh, what else do we have today? Is, is what else do you want to talk about, Fitz? You, the whole Ranger season. You have any other hot takes? You don't want to throw nonsense at you? Betting, ooh, my friend. Oh, bet, betting. You know, I'm always down for some of that. Yeah. Um, let's talk some hot bets this week, my friend. And and also, you you starting a podcast for this thing, or you want to plug that or announce that yet? Or my yeah, spot? yeah. Eventually, one of these days, I'll be you know starting. I'm starting my own uh own gambling podcast, the Closing Line, with my buddy Squints. Uh, we we used to do one for our buddies over at Gotham SN. Sadly, uh. We're, we're done, so we're just working on getting that back up. This is kind of my favorite time of year for gambling. Um, college basketball season is – outside of the NHL, I like college basketball. It's by far my favorite sport, and uh, pretty much you can find me. I'll probably be tweeting about all the games tonight. Um, you know, as a, as a Cuse alum, I, uh, I'm heavily involved in, in watching all this shit. I'm heavily involved in some scandals is what you're trying to say? Uh, I actually off the air we can talk about some stories about that. Okay, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if, if it's if it's throwing Jerry McNamara or fucking Eric Devendorf under the bus, let me. I'm in. One hundred percent. I see McNamara. I saw McNamara all the time because uh, he, he's a coach there now, so he's he's all around the place. I, saw, um, I somehow didn't know you went to Syracuse, and now uh, explains why you podcast. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really get it before. I, I was an IT major too, so um, a guy getting into media from IT makes sense for Syracuse grad. Oh, that's because Greg. What were you? Sportscom. Sportscom. Well, that's that right. works out. That's why we're here. Ryan, what were you? Master's in psychology. Are you? Oh, you? Oh, <laughs> oh, you podcast? Huh, okay. All right. It makes sense at the end of the day. Yeah, um, it really does. Go on though. But you know, like, gambling wise, all I know is that the NFL has just been killing everyone lately because the favorites are covering at like an abs- an absurd rate the past few weeks. So. 
if you're if you're betting the NFL, I highly suggest you honestly stop for the next couple of weeks because it's just been such a shit show this year. It's it's truly incredible to see how like week to week I I, I cannot tell who to bet on, who's good, who's not good outside of the Eagles and the Patriots. That's literally it. I was about to say, how many yeah. weeks in a row have the Patriots covered? Like nineteen. Pretty much, I think since week one, I, I think I think the Eagles have covered every week pretty much this year. I don't understand anyone who's betting against the Eagles at this point in time. They're a cover they, machine. I think even their loss, they were an underdog and they covered. Yeah, yeah, they lost to the Chiefs when the Chiefs were good. Remember yeah. those days three weeks ago? Like my, my goodness, what a Andy Reid man! We'll talk about a guy being in the dreaded middle all the time. He he <laughs> invented the dreaded middle. I just the Chiefs the the Chiefs are fucked because I'm. I like college football a lot more than I like the NFL now. And I was telling anyone who had ears that Deshaun Watson was going to be the best quarterback in this draft. You actually were. Agreed. And, and the, anyone anyone who thought otherwise was just overthinking themselves. The and reason I didn't trust you, though, is because you've said this before. I've said it hundreds of times before. Yes. And the Eagles treat up, trade up in the draft to get their quarterback air. And for whatever reason, they still pass into Deshaun Watson. Pat Mahomes is going to blow. Not the Eagles. Stink. The, the Chiefs. I said the Chiefs. Didn't I say the Chiefs? You said the Eagles. I meant the Chiefs. I, hate I just want to remind everyone that I hate football and don't watch. I Pat Mahomes <laughs> is going to be terrible. Yeah, People Mahomes asking is going to Alex Smith to be benched for Pat Mahomes. You're asking Alex Smith to be benched for a worse Alex Smith. Hmm. Yeah, I'm the Mahomes guy. Uh, it's Watson was clearly the best. Yep. Mitchell Trubisky going second overall when he couldn't win more than eight games at North Carolina. He started one season. One season. One season. He wasn't good enough to start multiple seasons at North Carolina. This isn't that hard, people. Sean Watson beat NFL caliber defenses twice. Re- regularly. Every year, basically. Just would oh. trounce people. Um, I, I don't know. It's absurd. Um, all I know is college basketball tonight. Uh, probably bet on bet on Maryland against Syracuse because no, I this is not coming out until tomorrow or is that or are you, oh. is this for Tuesday is what you're saying Tuesday Tuesday all right well Tuesday, Tuesday I, I'll, I'll give you something give uh, some hot ones. Saturday I know Cincinnati plays Xavier so okay. uh just bet the under because probably half the team pretty much everyone on the team is just going to get ejected because there's going to be like a crab tree to leave type fight in that game okay did you, um, did you see Alabama on Saturday not the football team, oh yeah basketball yeah, three team. on five Unbelievable. And they, they cut the score. Oh, yeah. So Kyle to, Sexton was draining threes. Like, it was crazy. To explain this to people, there was a basketball game, a college basketball game out Alabama where the entire Alabama team got ejected. Then two people got hurt, and they had to play three on five. There you go. I had Alabama, too, as the fourth leg of a parlay. And uh, money line, I was, I was fucking furious. I was walking around my basement just trying, like throwing shit around. I was so annoyed. And then I saw they start coming back. I'm like, oh, if this fucking happens. Yeah. You should've, they should have paid you double if you actually won that game. Oh, it should just yeah. You know, now hopefully my bookie listens to this on Tuesday, so he'll he'll, he'll reimburse me. Fun story. One of our first podcast episodes since our, since our two year anniversary right now. Greg talked about his bookie went to jail. Yeah, oh, really? yeah. Fun story. I was miserable. I was asking people if they knew another bookie because I <laughs> my, mine was in jail for it was drug related. It wasn't it wasn't pretty. Yeah, um, I didn't think it was. He was in jail. No, no it's fine. No, now but, I just now I just use my bookie. Dot com. Yeah. Uh, dot com. Yep. That, no, that, it's not .com. It's dot, It's mybookie.ag. Oh, was that a plug? Oh, it's one of the AGs. Wow. Yeah, it's an, it's an AG. Do you like how we're, we're sponsoring this base. fucking MyBookie website without even – like they don't they don't even know we exist? Thank you, guys. Right. You'd, you'd like MyBookie. They pay out in Bitcoin. Do they? Woo, yeah. Ripple boys. Guys, get to Ripple right now. All right. Anyway. Um, one last gambling advice too. Uh, go ahead. People should start hammering the NHL unders because let's be real. The coaches are going to start sucking the life out of the game soon with the way they uh, – 
you know, traps and, and playing for overtime and stuff like that. And uh, I'm a big fan of starting to hammer the unders moving forward here. That actually brings up a good point. The scoring has been up this year, like pretty statistically a lot. That was a great way of saying that. And you're, you're saying you think the, the coaches are going to adjust by playing the trap and being more defensive and that'll end up making all the games go to under. Yeah, yeah, I think I think just what, this time of year is when you see the coaches really get their hands on their teams, like implementing their mm-hmm. system. Like you see it pretty much full out. And I think teams, you know, obviously you just hear the standings like get beat to death. Like, oh, you want to be in a playoff spot by Christmas? And I think coaches take that shit to heart. Dude, in the Metro, they, it doesn't really matter. You're going to be fighting to the end. Not at all. Yeah, no, certainly. I mean, the Metro doesn't matter, but like a lot of the other divisions and and three point games and everything like that. I think coaches just they. They like to play it like oh, you're going to see third periods in like a two-two game where both teams are kind of playing for overtime. Like they're not, they're not going. You know, it's not like the earlier in the season where like there's four or five two-on-ones in uh in like a period or something right. like that. Like there's no there's no fire fire wagon hockey. It's kind of like the, it's like the, the Leaves Ranger game from earlier this year when they were uh, yeah exactly. You're not going to see it. Was, it's going to be more like playoff style hockey where you know the, the clutching and grabbing is coming back into it a little more and and you know the game slows down. So I just I just think unders and and the line Vegas is adjusted putting a lot of lines at six for totals and five and a half so you you can get some value there Ben unders it, they're mostly favorites but it's it, if you lay enough you could probably make some decent money going forward. My question now, is oh, oh sorry Greg I was gonna go if you're if you're betting unders so you're gonna lay off the uh, you're gonna go back to betting money lines in hockey you're not gonna bet the spread anymore. No yeah I stay off I try to stay off puck lines. Uh, they're they're tough to me. I, I can never get a read on them for some reason. I I personally love puck lines because any if you're taking so if like the if the Maple Leafs are going up against the Sabers, I I just if a money line in hockey is ever over minus one eighty for the favorite, if you're that confident they're going to win, just say they're going to win by two, and yeah, take, that's take the money because there's never a puck line that's under plus one eighty for a minus one and a half. So I'm, I'm a big puck line guy. But it's definitely it's definitely matchup dependent. I wouldn't recommend it all the time. It's just if you're so yeah, if you're yeah, feeling confident, if you're if you're willing to bet money on a team who's a minus one eighty or higher favorite, just say be be as confident saying they're going to win by two. Because what's the difference? Yeah, that's a good point. There and there's a lot of value that could be had there too. Like you're saying, if, if you if you see a matchup you really like, so yeah, and I'm, know, that's I'm just big, all. I'm a big if your team if a team is supposed to win and they're up three two late, that other team's pulling the goalie with the last ninety yeah. seconds. So get that yeah, at least at least ninety seconds. That's another thing you see a lot of more empty nets earlier, so more chances for uh, empty net goals. Fitzy, the question I was going to ask. Obviously, you study a lot of gambling. How do you feel about the values on betting over unders before the season? Because those are the bets that I'm always suckered in by. I, oh, I know what's going to happen here. I, uh, I I usually don't do the the over unders, but with hockey teams, are you talking you talking about hockey specific, talk about, actually, specifically? Talking right? about all sports actually, because baseball and, and football is where I feel the most confident. And I'm usually wrong. Yeah, baseball. I, I'm I'm awful in baseball. I I did a the only team I actually had like close to being right this year was the Diamondbacks and over on them. So um, you know, other than that, I try to I try to stay away from over unders. NFL, I always get sucked into it. I um, yep. I always look. I always look for teams like there's always cool trends about teams that finish like there's certain divisions like teams finish last yep. and where they end up finishing the next season. I kind of like looking at that stuff. So uh, I think it was the NFC South uh, where like there's like four, th- four or five straight years where the team that finished last would win the division the next year. So like it, those obviously aren't like sustainable trends, but man, if they're happening and, and you see them for a couple of years, hop on until they stop. But, you know, that's, that's like my gambling philosophy. Like earlier in the year, 
I was all over NHL overs, you know, every night, every night I was betting all the games, just a couple bucks here and there because uh, they were they were winning mm-hmm. and they were going like on a Tuesday or Thursday or Saturday, which is the big game nights. Um, you know, there's 15 games on. You, you, they, sometimes they were going like 11 and four, or, you know, 12 and two and one. And you could get great value with some of them if they were over six and they were plus money or some things like that. So, you know, with, with trends and stuff, I'm a big once you start on them, go until they go until it's broken, you know, just keep riding it until you can. So that's one of the reasons I'm switching back to unders is because, you know, they've been starting to come back towards the mean, a lot of uh, 500 type nights. If you're winning, you you know, it might be like seven and eight or eight and seven or like six, seven and one or some shit like that. So, you know, once it starts getting more towards that, um, that's one of those things I try to, I try to keep an eye on. And the one other, the one hockey bet that everyone should two actually two things that every hockey ambush could do. Um, one, track bye weeks again this year okay because when teams were coming off a bye they got slaughtered last year um so you always bet the team that's not coming off the bye Mm. and the day after the all-star break all the overs i think they went like uh 12 and 3 last year okay um before we let you go out of here because i know you got to get going um i do want to come on your podcast when you do baseball over unders like i'm a guaranteed lock for that (laughs) podcast like there's 100 percent chance you have an open invite. Thank you. I'll fucking be there. Um, I want to ask both of you a nonsense question. It's a little bit of shit talking, if you guys don't mind, before, before, before we get out of here. Before you, jump, before you jump in the nonsense, uh, okay. I, as a Mets bro, I would be offended if we uh, brought Fitz on. I didn't ask Sorry, go ahead, Greg. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be hurt if I didn't get his insight on what he thinks the Mets are going to do this offseason. Okay. Uh, what are the Mets going to do? They're going to – oh, I just saw something that they're interested in Adam Lind. So uh, I, don't, I, don't, I really I don't like that at all. Ooh, Neither boy. do I. I think they do what the Mets always do, Greg. You know they're going to cheat, keeping their way through, and sell us all that the new training staff healed their arms and all the pitchers' arms and shit. That's awesome, guys. Yeah. Anyway, as a Yankees fan, Otani posted a what he needs in a team, and he said, "I need a good medical training staff." So what's it like to be out of the Otani sweepstakes this early? <sighs> it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> I, I will say I am intrigued if the Mets actually follow through with their pitching principles. Uh, I'd be intrigued, but it, it all depends on one if they actually sign relievers, and two who those relievers are. I'd, yeah, I'm interested if they sign if they go on a run and they sign Brian Shaw and Mike Miner. Okay. That's good. I'm with that. I'm, cool I'm interested. I can I can live with that. But they keep getting connected in the first base sweepstakes to guys. Yeah, I, like, don't, I don't get that. I don't no, understand. They want Adam Lind or Logan Morrison. I'd rather shoot myself for both. Yeah, of them. Logan Morrison's a prick too. I'm not a. I'd rather just sign Duda for four million. Bring him back. Yeah, bring him back. He's actually good. He's, there it is. Uh, guys, he's actually good. Great. He's actually a good baseball player. <laughs> yeah, no, right. That's that's a very longstanding uh, Mets Twitter debate. People, there's a, like, anytime dude is mentioned, it's hashtag actually good. Oh, okay. If he hits a home run, you're going to get t- 30 tweets about how it, how it wasn't clutch enough. That's all that'll happen with Luke Suda. Oh, my God. Great, Ray. Anyway. Um, uh, this is, this is my problem from today and I just want to get this out of the way that we'll get, let you get out of here. Cause I know you got to go Fitz. Yep. No I, problem. I walked into my workplace bathroom, a shared place that everyone uses, right? The toilet paper was out. The roll had like one sheet left. Now mm. I, I'm not going that, that the requirement that needs number two. That's what I'm, all I'm saying. Is it my job to replace that toilet paper? No. Like for the next person. Absolutely not. The person whose job it was is the one who had it run out. Do, so that's I, on do I find that person and be like, who did this? Is it is it kosher to walk out and be like, who the fuck did this? <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of pretend like you never saw it. So that's how I would do I it. I have a feeling like a couple co-workers, because somebody saw it. I don't know who it was. We all share the bathroom. 
But, like, somebody saw it. And, like, if I was going number two at this point in time, I would have had a huge issue with this. But I feel like you're the dick. If someone comes out of the bathroom, like, they saw you go in the bathroom earlier. Yeah. And they go, who didn't replace the toilet paper? And you knew it was out and you didn't do it. I feel like that makes you complicit. It's a bad visual for sure when you see someone walking out like that. Um, like I know, hey, I know now though. I, I know that it's not there. The next person who walks in for it, like I know they have to do this. Yeah, so I I'm think- a very selfish human, so I'm I'm all right with walking out. No, <laughs> I just, no, no thoughts, no second I thoughts. I personally never check what the toilet paper is unless I have to use it. Like I don't yep. go into a bathroom to take a piss and in my tire in the bathroom be like, hmm. Wonder if the toilet paper. I, I will, I will say that that mine is very obvious at my at my workplace. It's like it's paid for you, like yo, replace me. So <laughs> I I don't know. I, I felt like I was in the moment. I was super conflicted. Like I don't know what to, I ended up not doing it. I'll say that. But I I do say I did want to come out and call people out. I think I will next time. Uh, while we're talking bathroom talk, yeah, sure. um, I got a question for you, Fitz. If, yes, sir. If you're dropping if you're dropping a number two in the toilet, right, and a buddy next analysis. to you or a coworker next to you. Is doing the same thing, and the coworker sneezes while you're both in the bathroom. Do you say bless you? Do you say bless you on the toilet? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I 100 percent say it. No chance about it. Like, nice one, bless you. I would, I would not. I feel like if I'm in the bathroom taking a poo, yeah, nothing else in the world exists. Okay, it's yeah. just me in the bathroom. Me and Twitter. That's it. Okay, I'm definitely saying it for sure, 100. Uh, percent I have a one, one more shit question. How do you feel about Buffalo Wild Wings? Oh, big fan. <laughs> what? All right. Get, get, the, get off. It's been really nice uh, talking to you. <laughs> We're not let, him, let him defend it. Why are you a big fan, Fitz? Okay. I mean, I, I, I've never I've never gone to Buffalo Wild Wings okay. and walked out and just been like, fuck, man. Like, I hate Buffalo Wild Wings. Beers, I'm wings, always sports. like, damn, I can't wait to go back. Beers, wings, sports. All right. I, what more do you need? I fucking hate Buffalo Wild Wings. You like, I bet you like John Franco, too. Jeez. Uh, I, I'm... I'm do we talk about John Franco like the baseball player? We are actually. Yeah, of course. Once a bet, always a bet. I hate John Franco. <laughs> I fucking hate him. Fitz, Fitz is now my favorite guest. Yeah, great. Wonderful. Just how much he pisses you off. I hate that. Shit. <laughs> uh, I, 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 for a little bit of backstory, I ended up raising money for Puerto Rico a couple months ago, and uh, one of the goals was at fifteen hundred dollars. I'd, ha- I hate Buffalo Wild Wings. They, ri- I used to work in an arcade. They ripped it down, replaced it with Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, they they still keep an arcade machine there for some reason to taunt me, and I have to drive past it every single day. So it's like driving past a, a funeral home, and no, uh, it's really tough for me. And uh, <laughs> I, I pa- got the fifteen hundred dollar mark, and I said I would if I, that happened, I would go to Buffalo Wild Wings, eat as many wings as possible, uh, and wear a I love John Franco T shirt. I did that. Uh, I fulfilled my goal, and I still hate that place. That's all I'll say. Thank you so much. Jeez. So now, I was, uh, now they're I definitely going to sponsor us, by the way. Just throwing that I out. was on my deathbed with something that felt like the flu and still made the four-hour drive down to watch Ryan do this. Yes. It was a, <laughs> That's a, a, awesome. a miserable experience. I think I have the quotes uh, for me doing it. Maybe I'll post those uh, online later, so that'll be fun. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Fitz, anything you want to plug before you get out of here? No, nah, man, just uh, follow me on Twitter at FitzyGSN. Um, I'm kind of podcast kryptonite nowadays, so hopefully your guys doesn't no, have we'll, any unforeseen we'll, things happen. We'll to be it, okay, so. former Garden Faithful. <laughs> my three my three uh, episodes stint. Nice stint, dude. Really good. So yeah. just for the record, you've now done as many Garden Faithful episodes as you've done Blue Shirts Breakaway episodes. Nice. This is true. Nice. This is true. Nice. Welcome to the team. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Fitzy. If you don't follow Fitzy on Twitter, what are you doing? He is the best gift maker for the Rangers on Twitter. Uh, all the highlights, all that. Please follow him. He's a great one. 
Thanks for coming. I on. think we can, we can, we can, we, we've been pronouncing people the official X of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. We can call Fitzy the official gift maker of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. Yeah, I think that's fine. I like it. Yeah, I we can. It. Hey, I uh, just want to ask for your permission because it's 2017, uh, consent, all that. Can we use your gifts? Absolutely. That's my guy. I think I think Drew has used your stuff yeah. in some of our posts too, right? Drew, Drew, uh, Drew, Drew got me. Drew, of course. Drew's a Drew's an angel. That kid. He asked right away. Drew's the night. Like I've I've met Stephen Valquette, and Drew might be the only person nicer. It's like unbelievable. Great I, I, kid. I don't really understand what goes through his brain. And also, he no. acts like he's forty three years old. He's twenty nine. Come on, Drew. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you you can now. Well, here here's a here's a plug for you ryan since we haven't talked about it yet oh okay when fitz comes to our rangers meetup game oh. he's gonna be able to meet drew it's funny you say i haven't talked about it but it's in the opening greg oh well you always record that without me i don't know what's in there. i do but we can we can talk about it now <laughs> okay let's talk so, about it we had so much fun yesterday at the connects game or sunday at the connects game and we know that it's impossible to get enough blocks of seats to get everyone into a ranger game so we're doing we're doing we're gonna pick a bar we haven't decided what bar yet in new york city and we're going to host a meetup for the Islander game in February on a Thursday night, the day after February, uh, th- Valentine's Day. So it's, you know, get dinner with your loved one and then come get drinks with the people you actually love. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the Blue Shirt Breakaway Boys at Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Follow Fitzy on, on uh, Fitzy GSN. Uh, have a great night, Fitzy. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. We're out of here. Follow the story of Blue Shirt Break. Randall's five stars on iTunes. Just do it. Just do it. Don't even ask questions. Do it. Bye-bye. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail, the ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.